Harry Bowl, everyone. Welcome to Chit Chat. This is our weekly evening uh, chat about chit. <laughs> chit is a Sanskrit word that means spiritual knowledge. And so myself and Jai Jagannath Prabhu have been coming on here on this Instagram live platform for throughout this entire quarantine pandemic. And we've been having candid, funny, sometimes it gets intense uh, conversations about spiritual knowledge, about how that spiritual knowledge carries us through tough times. Um, it has been intense times uh, throughout this pandemic. And so we are always making the efforts to increase our our more spiritual knowledge. Welcome Geneva, Kavi, Ned Curtis, Money Blue Skies. Hi, Boljai. Hi. Oh, How? Okay, the tea lock still looks all right. It looks, it looks good. It, it was from way the early this morning, so anyway. Hold on. It Hello. looks good. Hello. What's up? Uh, I just went on a driving lesson. It was so much fun. <laughs> Learning, learning stick shift. Stick shift, yeah. Yeah, and the driver, and I, th I thought it was really funny. I'm gonna try to make this spiritual in some sort of way, um, but I thought it was really funny because I know how to drive like automatic, and I didn't realize that the driver was gonna be like. So um, his methodology was very very forward. Like we went around kind of like the cul-de-sac here like a few times and then he would like took me out to the main road and I was like on the main road and he's like, okay, and now we're going on the highway. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I was like, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's like, and now we're going into the center of town where there's lots of traffic. And I was like, mm. <laughs> he's like, and now we're going up this crazy hill so you can learn how to work with hills and sticks. And I was like, at that point I was like, you know, and I thought it was really interesting, just my, my reflection after that. Um, I mean, I felt good and I didn't crash, thank Krishna. Yeah. Like, I, I'm still here, I'm still alive. Um, but my reflection um, in regards to that was, you know, we've, we've brought this topic up before in Chicha. I don't know, this is just coming up for me, in regards to like the, the pacing of our spiritual life. And that pacing is, it's such an interesting point because sometimes we get very um, complacent when we're taking it, you know, we're just taking it slow, we're taking it easy. Um, we can get a little bit comfortable, you know, we can get a little bit like this. And uh, there are other times where it feels like Krishna or the divine, the universe, right? Where Krishna is kind of like, putting a speed bump in our way or like forcing us to get into the car, get in the car, get in the car. You're going to get in the car and you're going to drive on the highway. And you're just like, no, Krishna, I can't do it. And Krishna's like, this is what's happening. You have to drive. And in those moments, it's like, I have to drive. Like I have to do it, you know? And I've, I've been finding a lot of, personally, I've been finding a lot of solace and growth in my spiritual life more in those moments than in the moments where things, we were speaking about this this morning, actually, in the things where it's like easy or it's comfortable or like I'm kind of in my routine. Personally, I've been finding more inspiration, um, not even inspiration, just like more, more realness and more growth in my spiritual life in the moments where I'm just like, 
Krishna's just like, here well, we go. Why do, you, why do you think that is? I don't know. I saw on um, here we have Brenda mm. IDS. I think yeah. I had to do the Bhagavad Shravan today for Bhakti Center. Oh, yeah. And maybe this is the same Brenda that was at the Bhakti Center class. So we were discussing. Are oh, you doing Gopi Gita? I was doing Gopi Gita. That was the whole thing. We have to. <laughs> That was interesting. That was my first time actually speaking um, from Gopi Gita, especially mm. in a public. So that was interesting. I have thoughts about that. <laughs> anyway, in the course of the, in the course of the discussion, um, oh, okay, I'm not gonna give a whole backstory here. But in the course of the discussion, Queen Kunti's prayers did come up, where she's praying for calamity because it allows or facilitates remembrance of Krishna or seeing Krishna, mm. which itself facilitates liberation from the world. And in contrast to that, she says, really, calamities as ordinarily seen, those are not calamities because it facilitates their remembrance. But wealth and beauty and aristocracy and um, what's the high education, that's actually dangerous because it expands the madness of identification with your body, mind, your circumstances. Um, and in that madness, you can't really feelingly call out to God, who is mm. the property of those who are without possessions. These verses we brought up several times. So Brenda yeah. was asking, why is that? Like, why is it when we're like suffering, downtrodden, beat up, um, we become more Christian conscious and when things are like peaceful and looking good, we're like less Christian conscious. And even today in our men's summer, our men's yeah. summer, this topic came up in the course of our discussion that, you know, yeah, when times are good, just like wasting it. Yeah. <laughs> Utterly wasting it. So why is that? I, I, I gave my answer, but what's your insights? Like why, like on a personal level, like we yeah. probably relate personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When things are like good, just I, I'm not Christian conscious. And yeah. when things are not good, I'm also not Christian conscious, but at least I'm more inclined to be Christian conscious. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked what, um, I re two things. I have a few answers to this personally, but first I'll bring up something you said and then something that um, one of our God brothers said this morning, where you were saying about Queen Kunti's prayers, where Queen Kunti is like asking for calamity and she's like, yeah, bring it on like this. And I remember this morning you were saying like, um, no, thank you. You know, like I'll, I'll pass on the calamity. I'll slow down. I'll pass. Let's slow let's, down with that. Let's slow down. Let's, you know, shift the gear to, right. to one or two. Now I know what those references mean. Um, and it's interesting, you know, because however, in contrast to that, one of our God brothers said this morning, I feel like, one of the biggest mistakes of, or biggest errors of my spiritual life was not, was not like realizing that, like how good I had it when things were calm or when things were simple. And that right. those were moments where I could have really practiced my Krishna consciousness. He said it in such a great way. Actually, I copied it because I loved it so much and I quoted him. I was right, here it is. He said, I think something that I believe was a mistake in my spiritual life was not taking advantage of the easy times because when things become difficult then we realize how much we don't have a strong foundation mm. 
And when he's, I was just like, oh my God. And I know this, you know, he's our very dear friend and he's been through some, he's been through some stuff. We've been, we've all been through some stuff, but that was such a wonderful realization to me that it's like, we don't really value that time when things are simple or when things are peaceful um, to act as a, like a preparatory ground to when, when things do get, perhaps, you know, when we do get tested, when we do get, um, what's the word? uh yeah put to the test and honestly i mean there's a lot of answers to this i think that one of one of my answers is just simply that like i'm in rajagoon and i'm just like passionate and i'm just like do 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 screw the foundations you know i feel like a lot of the world in general is kind of in that rajasic passionate mode of just like what's the product what's the outcome what are we gonna wh what's the next step what's the plan what are we gonna get out of this I mean, even in spiritual communities, even in devotee communities, it's very much like that. It's like, what's this, what's this, what's that? And, you know, I feel like we don't, this is a huge topic in and of itself, which we don't need to get into, or maybe we will get into. But I think that that's where like devotee care comes in. And like a lot of people in um, devotional communities start, you know, tend to feel, tend to feel like, I'm doing too much, or I'm, you know, being, I'm being used or like this or whatever. What about my, I've personally been through that stuff where I'm just like, I'm doing way too much and I'm not like learning what is the Bhagavad Gita saying or like what is Bhagavatam saying? Like I'm not learning what are these foundations. And it's to no one's fault, you know. Um, it's simply that we live in the material world and that I'm in Rajagun, you know, and how do I get myself out of that? I go to a kirtan and I try to calm mine down. And then I also think that, um, I mean, also like, this is this is this is kind of like a, a silly answer, but it's true. Like, unfortunately, being lazy kind of feels good. Like, oh, like wow. sitting. It's true though. Like, if if it didn't feel good, you wouldn't do it. You know, like right. sitting on the couch bed and binging Netflix while you like eat an entire pack of cookies. Like, you're just like, yeah, you know, like Netflix and chill or whatever. And of course, it like feels embarrassing, but. The truth of the matter is that it feels good and that we have uncontrolled senses. Like, I have uncontrolled senses, you know? I'm a materialist and I have uncontrolled senses. And so I think that that's personally, like, from personal level, like, I keep feel myself going back into the same things. And I have found myself more and more personally petitioning Krishna, like, not not for my own sake, but I, I've been writing to Krishna, as as, you know, you've you've told me to do and I, I really love that like writing personally to Krishna like Krishna this is what is going on and Krishna like this and I was writing to Krishna like God Krishna like what's wrong with me like why do I keep I, on doing this you know as practicing devotees because this as in our men's sangha today this mm -hmm. is a prominent message that comes up in the Bhagavad yeah. um, basically the message being Krishna imposing more or less suffering mm -hmm. conditions upon his devotees to augment bhakti mm. and that's a very that's a pretty common message in the Bhagavatam. in fact yes, the, way, the way it got articulated today in our sangha which was hilarious that the general tendency is to think like if god is pleased with you then you'll get what you want but our philosophy is that if god is pleased with you he's gonna, <laughs> he gonna take he's gonna take some shit away from you and um and so because that is a prominent message and the way that it's Couch is also often very beautiful um, because you hear like the, you hear about these devotional archetypes who really rise to the occasion and they embody profound levels of bhakti 
in, in the context of those suffering conditions. And so as a practitioner, when, when we hear that and study it, I feel like we kind of romanticize with that, what that experience is going to be like. Like, mm. like we saw today with our, our young guy from Florida, we know who we're talking about, um, yeah. who always, you know, he's like so adorable, like the youngest guy on the Sangha. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and he, you know, was just like, I think he's a, the way he was speaking about it, it was, speaks to my point of like romanticizing the experience mm, yeah. of suffering. And he was like, I'm, he's like, I find it so exciting and beautiful. Yeah. And, I was like, mm. and, mm-hmm. right, exactly. <laughs> but, and it, but I brought up immediately, um, you know, I kicked off the discussion by saying, like, my lived experience is that when I'm suffering, I'm not particularly more Christian conscious. Yeah. Um, I, I gave an example of a, a time in my life where, you know, one of the major um, transition periods in my life where I struggled a lot. I often speak about it. And um, I wasn't, I like, I did really good, I think, for myself or where I was at. Um, I didn't sue the temple, which is what I was recommended to do. <laughs> Um, so because I didn't sue the temple, I thought I did a good job. Like, and I had no desire in my heart to like Mm. retaliate because of feeling wrong or anything, but I felt resentment for a really long time. Like, Mm. you know, probably upward of three years, I felt resentment. And so, and I hated that I felt resentment. I really fought against that. And I was very careful not to write anything or really go out of my way to talk bad about the people I felt had did me wrong or whatever like that. And after some time, I got purified of that, and I was so I felt so blessed. But at the same time, I didn't. I it wasn't like I was really Christian conscious per se. Mm. And so, although it's, it's like seems romantic, like Madhavapuri. Yeah, I heard this nice little quote. Here. I saw, I saw it was that so nice. with the string. The string, no struggle, yeah. No striving, yeah. I've heard I've heard that a musical string can only make a beautiful sound. If, like that's beautiful, but <laughs> I'm talking about like a lived experience of suffering. I haven't experienced myself really rising to the occasion of being particularly Christian conscious. And I think it's, it's disappointing. Oh, and yeah, sorry, it's a little lag there. It's a little. It's disappointing. Um, and yeah, that's I'm kind of I'm asking about that. How do you process I think, that? Like, I'm not, you're, yeah, I'm not rising. I think that one of the words you used was so nice, which is romanticizing. Because I think that a lot of us tend to do that, to do that a lot in the material world with right. everything. And so even though I might have a spiritual conception, I think we've brought this up on, on Chit Chat before. I might, have a, I, I might have a conception of what the bhakti practice is, but I might be stuck on a superficial level and not have embraced really what it actually means to do so. And therefore I'm romanticizing the practice. I might be romanticizing the lamentations and the calamities. And then it also, that's on one extreme. And it also might be on the other extreme where I'm romanticizing material, um, material wealth. I'm romanticizing, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Class or status. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm romanticizing status like this. And, you know, at the end of it, I feel like both of them are pretty dangerous. Like whether I'm romanticizing material wealth or I'm romanticizing, you know, spiritual life, but not taking spiritual life seriously and caught in a romanticization of it. I'm still, you know, on the, the, what is that a word? Is that a word? Yeah. Romantic, romantic, (laughs) 
Wait, type it in. You have computers in front of you? I think it is the word. I think it is the word. Romanticization. <laughs> it is a word. It's a really? word. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Romanticization. Are you pronouncing it right? Romanticize. Actually, no, it's not a word because that was on Thank the free. Thank you. I knew it was not a word. That was on the free dictionary, and I don't know if I trust the free dictionary. On Merriam-Webster, it says romanticize. That's so maybe like, like romant. That's a word. So romanticizing the romanticizing. Let's let's put it like that. Yeah, I don't think romanticization. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh you know, the romanticization of it all. We all, we all. <laughs> sorry, y'all. We, oh, yeah, we do this. We do this. We do this. Okay. We call each other out when we make words because it happens a lot. Our, um, our people, our person of color stuff starts to come out. We're like, the romanticization of it. Anyway, as I was saying, as I was saying, as I was saying, um, when we romanticize either end, I feel like it's kind of a, a bad deal on both ends because I'm not really approaching, I'm not able to approach Krishna on either end, whether, whether I, you know, I'm on the status and wealth and whatever end, or whether I'm like on the spiritual end, but I'm approaching that spirituality in a, in a dramatized way, on a superficial way. And we brought this up yesterday and the day before yesterday. The more I'm caught in the drama of the material world, then the less I'm able to enter into the divine drama, the Krishna Leela of Krishna's pastimes. And uh, I think that when we're, okay, to address your question, I feel like I've been kind of like tippy-toeing around your question. Wait, what does, what does Madhavi Puri says? We accept the Urban Dictionary as well as Chicha. <laughs> oh, Krishna, t-shirt worthy though, yes. I think we should just have a t-shirt with all the made up words that we've ever made on Chicha and just like listen. <laughs> oh my God, that's what uh, it would be a lot of words. Um, but to address your question specifically, I feel like the reason that I'm going to speak personally, I feel like the reason that I can't rise to the occasion when shit gets tough in my life is personally because the uh, um, my surrender isn't complete to Krishna. That's that's very clear to me. It's very clear to me that I'm still in a state of bargaining that I'm still in a state of like, I want to give this to you, Krishna, but I need to hold on to this. And that's done in so many strange subconscious ways where even I might, I might not think that I'm doing it, but it's happening. And then I won't come to the realization that it has happened until some, you know, some misfortune has happened, some misstep has happened. And then I'll be like, oh, there, there, I, there she goes again. You know, there, there, there it happened again. And it, it, I feel like, it takes some time, you know, personally, I do think it is a gradual process. And even though I started off with the analogy of like, get on the highway, um, it is a gradual process because, you know, these anarthas are tricky. And I think that to really pull them out from the root, from the root uh, takes a lot of surrender. And we've spoken about this on Chit Chat before that many of us, myself included, are afraid of what being really Krishna conscious entails. Absolutely. And I'm still personally, I'm still trying to figure that out for myself. Like, how do I be Christian conscious, but still live in this world? And how much do I go for like material and wealth and career or how much don't I or like partnership or no, or like my family or no, like there's so many strange, you know, concessions that we have to make. 
not strange, you know, definitive concessions that we have to make that some of us simply aren't just, we might not be ready to make those concessions and that's okay. I think we're all doing it our, on our own time. But personally, that's my answer. For myself personally, that like, yeah, I'm not I, surrendered enough to Krishna. I really appreciate that because I, it seems to me in our community, it's, it's one thing that's kind of easy to admit to others. You know how like in devotee circles, we have like the jargon, like speaking humbly to each other. So that it yeah. just becomes part of the job. It's not like a genuine feeling. I would, you know, we're like, I'll accept my humble basis to seek Prabhu. It's not very, it's not like it's like deep in our heart. So I think also when it comes to talking about not being surrendered, we often, it's like kind of um, framed in like a, a joking way. Yeah. And because, and we know that it's true, but I don't know how much we, we really I don't know how to articulate this. I don't know how much we really know how true that is for ourselves. Because mm. we kind of just downplay it as a joke to each other. Yes. Like, anyway, I'm not surrendered. But I don't know if we really have thought about the ramifications of what it really means to not be surrendered. And, and that's why I appreciate what you just said, because I, I naturally resonate with that a lot. Also, the reason I'm not rising to the occasion is because my surrender isn't complete. Right, and just to be able to like say that out loud outside of a joking, excuse me, outside of a joking context. And just like to be able to say that out loud. It's like, you know, coming to terms with like, say like being gay, for example, and having to actually just say the word, you know, I am gay, for example. Mm. For gay guys, that's, a little, that's really hard. But when you're able mm. to finally do that, and I feel it's kind of a similar thing with surrender. Mm. To, to say like, I'm not really surrendered. <laughs> And I think it's so funny. I think it's so funny that you brought up that point of like joking around things because you brought up the, the gay example. Right. And like when someone's closeted, they'd be making lots of jokes about, you know, ha ha, that gay person or ha ha, this and this. And you're just like, why is this guy talking so much about gay people? Like what's going on with him? And you realize it's because they have some sort of deep seated uh, right. conflict with that right. thing. And it's like you hear us devotees being like, Oh yeah, I'm not surrendered. I'm a materialist. Ha, 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 you know, whatever. It becomes part of like you're saying this jargon. But really, I love that word that you used. The ramifications, like the ramifications of not being surrendered, aren't becoming so clear to us. Perhaps because we haven't like let it really sink in because it's kept on this like joking, superficial level right, of right, just right, like right. whatever. And also like, because um, you know. I've heard devotees like kind of bring it up in a class setting, like, and honestly, like I'm not surrendered. And, and usually when it's brought up in a public way like that, the tendency of the speakers or just the audience in general is to kind of like, I, what, for lack of a better word, pamper. Yeah. Like, it, it's okay. You know, it's, it's a gradual process and which is true. Like, I think that's the right, the right direction to go, you know, when something like that comes up in a public space. But then it kind of makes us double down on our not being surrendered. <laughs> something that I something that I really appreciated from you. I remember this specifically. I you know we all have our narthas. I'm not going to go into too many specifics to not embarrass myself again, like I did on Akadashi. Um, but I remember once in the ashram, I was like going through it, 
And it was like this behavior that I feel like I've had a constant pattern with. And it's just like, it keeps on happening. It keeps on happening. And it's like, I know I'm not surrendered, you know, okay, I know this. And like you're saying, like, I had many people around me kind of pampering me or kind of being like, it's okay, Prabhu, don't worry. Like, Krishna is merciful and like, whatever, and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, but like, why can't I control myself? Like, why can't, why do I keep on doing this thing? And I remember, and I remember like you were telling me to write to Krishna and to write letters to Krishna like this, but also you were telling me like to really zoom in, like, uh, like kind of like a psychological experiment, like zoom in on the action, zoom in on the, zoom in on the behavior that it is that you're doing or whatever it is that's keeping us from our Krishna consciousness, you know? the cookies, the TV, the whatever, like zoom in on that. And it's like, what is the feeling that I'm having when I binge watch five hours of Netflix? You know, like what is that moment where like I make, the I make, there's a decision that's being made. I think that's what really, I think that's what really it is. There is a decision that's being made, but we, we don't realize that I'm making that decision because we're on autopilot, you know? So it's like, I might not realize I'm making the decision to watch five hours of Netflix, but you made a decision, you know, I made the decision. And I remember I really appreciated where you told me to like slow it down, like zoom in on like that moment where it's just like, oh, I don't care. I'm using Netflix as an example, everyone. Oh, I don't care. I'm just going to watch Netflix. Who cares? Whatever. You know, I'm like, here it goes five hours. Like nothing matters. Whatever. Krishna will forgive me. You know, like whatever, like this, like I remember you telling me like zoom in on that and like figure out like why that's the decision you're making. That's the choice you're making as opposed to like, nope, I'm closing my computer and I'm going to turn on the lecture. I'm closing my computer. I'm going to listen to some kirtan like this. Mm -hmm. And that was very helpful to me, to be honest, instead of, instead of, cause I felt that the pampering was very, was very vague, you know, it's like, don't worry. You're great. The Krishna loves you. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. I know that Krishna loves me, but I, I want to change, you know, I don't want to keep doing these things. So give me something else. So I really appreciated that from you. One thing we heard today, and first of all, our man Sangha was so dope today. I mean, our man Sangha every week is pretty dope, but so dope. today it was very nice. And one thing um, our, the facilitator brought up today was how sometimes like, we may not be like applying bhakti principles, um, deeply, because we're neophytes, mm. we haven't advanced to a level, a certain level to apply them deeply. But we, everything that we hear from scripture is not always meant to be practical, but it's mm. meant to facilitate a paradigm shift within ourselves, mm. which really hit me profoundly because, well, because it was coming up in the context of this idea of suffering as a means to increase your bhajan. I brought up the point that. I don't see myself really increasing Christian consciousness when I'm suffering. Rather, I may see a decrease. And he was saying that, but it's important to, even if you're not able to rise to the occasion and act accordingly, just to have the conception that Krishna is putting me through suffering conditions so that I can rise to the occasion in terms of bhakti. He says to have that conception is important and because it takes some time for the paradigm shift from matter to spirit to take place, that even if you just hear this and it's just part of the seed concept that's in your mind, even mm. if you're not able to act on it, but it's just a seed conception that's coming to mind, it's only a matter of time before it asserts itself in the mm. future. And which I thought was a brilliant point because I was thinking about it in the converse when he was speaking. And the converse is you see people who practice bhakti 
but they have materialistic minds. And I hate to say that. I mean, I don't hate to say that. I can speak about myself, but I'm talking about people. Like, I've seen it in all of our communities where people kind of join. They start chanting 16 rounds even. But the paradigm in their mind is something that they receive from the material world. Their mm. paradigm is not based on scripture. You know, it's based on ideas that they kind of heard from scripture. They, they kind of mm. connect to scripture. But it's not like they like study scripture deeply and really understand the seed conceptions of the f tradition that they're following. And so the mm. paradigm that exists in their mind is largely the one that they inherited from the material world. So although we may practice the principles of bhakti, our paradigm is matter. Mm. And so, and so his, what he was saying, the facilitator in our Mansanga, was that sometimes you just need to hear these things repeatedly so that they become the paradigm in your mind. So even though you're not able to apply it right away, that's okay because what's actually going on right now is just a process of switching paradigms. Yes. And then once that paradigm really becomes your, just your natural way of thinking, then it's only a matter of time before it asserts itself because that's yes. existing in your head. Yeah, and I really appreciated that. For one reason, it made me feel less bad about not rising to the occasion. That was the <laughs> reason why I appreciated it. Um, the second reason I appreciate it is because I really feel it to be true. I've seen plenty of devotees. You know, I call them not practicing devotees. I have a lot of not practicing devotee friends, um, but yeah. I still consider them fully devotees because the the way they think about life and their life situation, it, it becomes apparent to me like, okay, this guy's like a devotee, like they're thinking, but for whatever reasons, due to weakness of heart, they're not able to rise to the occasion and really apply bhakti in a very deep way. But mm. because those conceptions are there, I'm like, I know it's only a matter of time before something happens and those conceptions just assert themselves powerfully. And I've, yeah. seen that in my, I've seen that in my short time as a devotee. And I've also seen the opposite, where people look like they're really entrenched and yes. bhakti practices and then suddenly they just vanish yes, I, yes. and they stop practicing and it's always be like how does that happen well yeah. they were practicing but there was something conceptually going on that wasn't spirit it was matter and it was only yeah. a matter of time before it asserted itself and then they just left their practices so i really that that really helped me today kind of come to terms with my own um lack Mm. and my own weakness of heart and <laughs> lack of surrender like and but i also i appreciate it because i also found it to be true so it, it just gave it gave value to the continue to hear in this way that krishna is doing something in your life and that's why the suffering is coming and it's giving you an opportunity to access um yeah. have that, to find out what is really going on in your heart to take inventory of what's going on in your heart and allow you to even if I'm not really able to apply that, just to have that concept and to keep on strengthening it becomes yes. very important so that in the future, these ideas really start to assert themselves. And we do well. I think that's a really nice, there's, there's so many questions and comments that we've been not, because we, we've been, we've I'm been sorry, in the, yeah, yeah we've, we, we've like been in it today. We've been talking about it. We've been chatting about it. Um, but I'll start from the bottom up. Uh, a person who felt that shift was Shastra. Tarini Bari is asking, are these friends of yours from another religion? No, I don't think so, Jai. Like, you mean like devotees who yeah, are devotees of Krishna? Yeah, I don't associate with people of other religions. I'm mad sectarian, y'all. That's one thing that you'll love me for it. You won't like 
me saying that now you won't like it but once you get to meet me and talk to me personally i'm super sectarian and you'll love me for it <laughs> yes you will everyone yes you will and um sorry any barriers i'll say krishna can never hurt us it's my bad karma however i can always seek shelter at lotus feet of radha krishna when in trouble yes i think she was asking to rohini's question of but is Krishna doing it or is it just our karma playing out? Which we've kind of looked at that topic before in chit chat. We've discussed it. Yeah, in before, short, but... in short, bhaktas, we don't, once you become a bhakta, you're kind of outside the realm of karma. That's exactly. basically our philosophy. I'm saving you all the technical passages that discuss this, but um, when the enjoyment, usually the concept is if you enjoy it, sort of, past good karma if you suffer is you're the past bad karma and once you become a bhakta we say that your enjoyment is due to itself suffering comes from offenses to you know the name to devotees or suffering comes from christian doing something in the life of his devotee to augment their bhakti so exactly our our general philosophy is like this that um there is no karma once you become Krishna's, you know, once you become Krishna's homie, you're outside the realm yes. of karma. And your enjoyment is due to bhakti or your suffering is due to offenses or else Krishna's doing something. And that's how devotees are encouraged to cultivate their minds. I also wanted to say um, that I really love this point um, in regards to the paradigm shift. Because when we, when we stop before doing something before making a shift in our life, before making a decision, you know, that's really the training where I like stop mm -hmm. before I do something. And I really think about my, uh, my guru, Dave, I really think about Krishna. I really think about these things. You know, um, I'm just going to speak about myself because I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. Um, cause I feel like I need it. But I remember I was on chit chat and I was, I was telling y'all like, this is cute living in this cushy lifestyle on a private Island in Ecuador in a gated community like a rich person, which I'm not, but apparently my family is here in Ecuador, <laughs> here in Ecuador not in New York. Um, I was like, this is cute for like, you know, a month or two, but I know, you know, I'm always thinking, not, I'm not always thinking of Krishna, but you know, in those moments, I, it's more selfish. I'm like, I know that if I stay here, my bhakti is going to go down. You know, if I stay here and live this cushy life and I'm just, yeah, 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 you know, whatever, I, you know, I'm not saying that's for everyone, but like for myself personally, I know if I stay here, and I'm not saying that, like, for me, that was just like, oh, wow, you know, I kind of, at least I'm a little sincere. But I think that, I think that, I think that that really is the, the, the ask of our Krishna consciousness or our bhakti, where it's like, before I do something, before I go out with the people, before I, you know, buy the thing, before I watch the thing, that's a big one, before I, you know, go with the person to the place, whatever that place may be, I'm not asking, you know, like, what is what is Krishna going to think of this? What is my Gurudev going to think of this? And that that really helps me sometimes because even even after I've committed um, you know some misstep or something that like wasn't good in my devotional life, even the, even though I still you know did it and I took the misstep, I still think afterwards, wow, what if my Gurudev knew what I just? What if actually Krishna does know what I just did because he knows everything? It's like oh crap, and then I have like this existential crisis. Where I'm just like. Damn it, Krishna, like you were here the whole time. Okay. And then I feel bad and like this and whatever. And I think that the point is, I'll end with this. The point is not to feel shame or guilt about it because 
that's a vicious cycle. You know, that's like some Judeo-Christian stuff. And, you know, the, you know, the point is not to like feel shame and guilt and like, oh, I did the bad thing. And, I, oh, you know, self-flagellation and like this and I'm, you know, like this. But rather we were mentioning like two chit chats ago, like, yeah, you did the thing and now it's time to learn and, you know, get your bootstraps back on and put the car in the gear and get back on the highway, you know, like, don't just stop the car, like, keep on going and offer, offer your, you know, all your acts to Krishna and like this. And, you know, you brought up this point of renunciation, because I think that sometimes when there are missteps or when sometimes there are um, things that you do wrong, it does seem easier to just kind of like cut things, you know, I'm just going to stop doing it. I'm just going to leave that thing cold turkey. I'm going to leave that person. I'm going to, of course, there are moments when you do need to leave a person. I'm going to leave the religion. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to renounce all of this life and I don't want it anymore. And, you know, I'm done with girlfriends and boyfriends. I'm just, oh, I'm done. But we know very clearly that Krishna tells Arjuna and Bhagavad Gita that real renunciation is in the heart. And that if, if there's a, a show of external renunciation, but there's no real renunciation in the heart, then you're still lusting after all those things, you know? And so I might say, I'm moving to the Dom and I'm not going, you know, at the beginning of this chit chat, at the very beginning when me and Jaya were, like every other chit chat, me and Jaya were like, get me to the Dom, get me out of this United States. I'm still fully in that mentality, but you know. I am also still fully in that mentality. Actually, that mentality is coming back now because it, it kind of went down a little bit and now I'm like, I gotta get to the Dabber. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> but, you know, um, actually, okay, I'll end here. Actually, I, I was telling a friend of mine who was living in Vrindavan recently for eight, nine, ten months, and he thought he was going to live there forever. And then COVID happened, and he had to go back to his country and, like, whatever. And I was telling him, I was just, I was asking, do you want to go to, back to Vrindavan? I said, I want to go back to, I'm trying to get to Vrindavan. And he just said, very simply, he's a very sweet, simple devotee. He's just like, yes, of course I want to go back to Vrindavan, but, like, um, I don't know if I'm qualified right now, and I have to get my budget back up, and Krishna has to grant me entry to Vrindavan. I can't just, you know, I can't I just totally go. Get, I totally get that. I'm I'm talking, Krishna and I are having words about this. <laughs> and Krishna knows I am not at the standard, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm your devotee. You should be looking out for me, as you promised that you would get me to Vrindavan. I'm in the same boat, Jaya. I'm like, look, Krishna, if you don't get me to Vrindavan, some effed up shit is going to happen, okay? <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Get me to yeah. brunch. He and I are um, having words regularly about <laughs> my disqualifications. Oh, Krishna. Uh, so many more comments. Guilt to shame. I find myself in this a lot. Yeah. Look up at the sky. Isn't it beautiful? I love that handle. I also find myself in that a lot. And it's not, it doesn't work. Let me tell you that. I mean, it's good to feel some healthy, healthy sort of shame, you know, like I'm not going to walk out onto the street naked right now, but you know, that, that vicious cycle of guilt and shame, you know, that's going to keep us from our bhakti. Tarini Bihari, my mother's Guru Maharaj, Bhakti Charu Swami, Jai, said in one lecture that we always have to keep Krishna in the center in all activities we do always. Yes, that is the goal. Madhupuri, I have to remind myself to not take my fallen ass too seriously. How I'm good evolve? at that. I'm definitely good at that. Um, but I also, uh, I worry about my devotion because of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to take myself a little bit more seriously sometimes so I can augment my devotion. Yes, yes. Oh, such a nice, anyway, such a nice chit-chat today. Yeah, thank y'all for, yeah, it was an honest place, you know. Um, it's nice to think we started with the whole suffering thing and rising to the occasion, but just being honest, like 
Yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't always done well. And although the message speaks to me, um, speaks to my heart in a lot of ways, I haven't experienced that so far. Mm. So just thank y'all for hearing the conversation around that. Yes, thank you all so much. And, you know, yesterday we brought up this point of like, uh, perhaps more formal teaching that can come off of chit chat, off of chit chat more like in the realm of Bhakti Center, like an actual weekend course or two weekend course or like whatever. And this idea is floating in my head. I'll talk to you about it personally, Jaya. But like we've talked so much on chit chat about like role models and um, oh, like yeah. kind of and kind of like the archetypes of the Bhagavatam and like the example that they're setting for us. And I remember someone in chit chat yesterday. I think maybe it was Kavi. I don't remember. Was like maybe the course should be called "How to Be a Devotee During These Crazy Times" or something like that. Like, like please teach us that. And I thought that maybe that would be really nice where we look at like a lot of the big personalities of the Bhagavatam, you know, uh, many people were asking like, you know, Prahlad Maharaj and his teachings or Queen Kunti and her teachings, you know, this morning's Men's Sangha, we talked about Vritrasura, you know, and Dadichi Muni. And like, there's so many beautiful parts of the Bhagavatam, whether they be prayers or whether they be examples, you know, of specific personas you know like the heroes of the bhagavatam are like these people that really go through suffering i thought that that could maybe be like a nice uh what's the word like series where it's like one weekend we talk about Prahlad Maharaj's teachings next weekend we really get into i don't know queen kunti's teachings or however we want to structure it but i thought that that maybe could cool. that could be nice like call the, the heroes and the heroines of the bhagavatam are like role models for Bhakti role models for the modern day i don't know we'll come up with a better title everyone i can be down with that yeah um, Kavi says, if you do a course, is it possible to please do it in the afternoon, evening time so Australia can join? Y'all are like literally 24 hours ahead of us. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. Like it's 6 p.m. over here or 5 over here, 640 over there. And I think in Australia, it's the morning of yeah, like 10 tomorrow. O'clock. That's insane. Yeah. So Shyam says, yes. PB Chat says, great idea. Madhavapur says, evening is better for me also. Okay, maybe we'll look at like, um, well, in the evening we have chit chat, y'all. Maybe we'll, well, we can adjust that. We can adjust that as well. Okay, so me and Jai will talk about it off, um, off screen. Pat said the discussion tonight has been so helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Pat, for being here every day. There's so many wonderful, uh, sweet souls and bhaktas who are joining us every night and have been since literally the beginning of chit chat. So we're also grateful to you and thank you so much. Thank you, Jaya. Thank you, everyone. Hadi Hadi Bo. We'll see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Thank you, Geneva. 10 a.m. start time, New Zealand. Awesome. Hadi Bo. Bye, everyone. Hadi.